0: Hi, welcome to Creepy Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura and first of all, I want to give a shout out to somebody. I didn't tell you about this, but <sighs> it is pretty funny. Um so my friend Neil was listening to the gobel podcast. Uh-huh. And he said, Man, some damn bad oyster would be the best name for like, like a 70s rock band. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and I said or like one like an al- 90s alternative band like yes a double bill with toad the wet sprocket and some damn bad oyster, some damn bad oyster. <laughs> yes yeah. that's wonderful yeah neil Neil, i need to meet you you sound oh, yeah, awesome yeah you need to he's awesome um he's doing a little shout out little plug he's doing um film commentaries on youtube Under the... Like, his uh, channel's called uh, Serious Gourmet Shit. Oh. (laughs) So, uh, check it out. They're really good. He was the one... He's the one that's doing the... That did the uh, Tom Payne movie commentary, which was hilarious. There's one point where where he and his friend are watching it, and somebody starts running. Just running down, like, a hallway or something. And they start going... They say something like, "She's she could go all the way. She's at the t- she's at the fifty, the forty, the thirty, the twenty, the 10. <laughs> it's it's funny. All it is right. funny. I'm gonna
1: have
0: to. Oh, it's yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Okay, is there anything else? Oh, should we mention the huge news that has come out of Kentucky recently? Too before we. I guess we can mention we it. We can mention it. We're going to do a full episode about it at yeah, some point. At some point. Once this is all done. Yeah. But. The Crystal Rogers. Crystal Rogers. Case. Yes. That has bust That has burst wide open like a pimple on Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that the FBI has taken over. But. Like, we don't want to... Do, we want to do an episode on it. We don't want to do one now because the case has come back into flux. Mm-hmm. There may... There probably are going to be more developments, so... We're going to wait for all of it to kind of... settle down a little bit... Yeah. ...before we do anything. Okay. So, but today what we are going to do, what we are going to talk about is something a little bit off the beaten path... It's, uh, Swift's Silver Mine. Ooh. The legend behind it. And some other, like, lost treasure type things. All right. In Kentucky. So, the Swift's Silver Mine. I was watching TV. I'm just going off on tangents today. Tangent so that it bodes, up. that bodes well for the rest of the day. Um... I was watching some TV show or some YouTube clip about it. And the guy was like, this is probably the one of the most famous legends of Kentucky. And I was like, really? Because I don't I'm, think most people have heard about I've this. never heard of it. Like, it's one of the oldest. I'll give you that. But it's not, I don't think one of the most famous. <laughs> I don't think you can I'm say like, it was famous. I don't think so. All right uh okay so to start with uh a man named jonathan swift made his way to america from england in the 1740s or 1750s he was supposedly depending on who you ask he was he was either a businessman or like a sea captain <laughs> depending on who you ask <laughs> depends on which story you go businessman or a sea captain yeah, maybe a businessy sea captain like I don't know. Uh, a sea captain in a business suit. Yeah, a business That's suit. all I can imagine now. Adjusting his tie, as he's <laughs> sailing down. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. With his briefcase, with his, briefcase, no. with his mighty briefcase by his side. <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> <That's> his parrot. <laughs> Does he have a bag leg, too? <laughs> yeah, I like, oh, can't see it because of the leg of his suit. but that's all right. He hides it He hides it, hides it really well. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, he wandered from port to, point, port to port for a while. Or point to point. Well, I mean, you know, it will work, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and finally landed in Virginia, whereupon he wandered some more in Virginia. <laughs> so, story number one. Is that he was walking around one of the cities, probably Alexandria, and found a man who was near death on the streets. Uh, Swift decided to nurse him back to health. Uh, The man's name was supposed to be Monday, M-U-N-D-A-Y, Monday, like the day, (laughs) M-O-N-D-E, like he was French or something. So (laughs) that's one uh... of these day, one of these words. That's like the French version of Monday or Sunday. Sunday. Monday. Yeah, exactly. Sunday. Like ice cream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in exchange for helping him get better, the man told Swift an amazing story. Uh, according to Monday, 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 as a child, he'd been captured by Native Americans and had been forced to work in a silver mine. Hmm. Hmm. And he said that the silver was right there on the surface. You didn't even have to really dig for it. It was just right there. Um, okay, so Monday. Eventually, after years of working in this mine, Monday escaped. And he told Swift that he left markers behind to be able to find this, this mine. So, Swift decided to look for this mine so, he took search parties into the area several times during the 1760s with no... During the 1750s with no luck. However, in 1760, he and Mundy found one of Mundy's markers, uh, which was the turtle rock. Okay. There's a rock that looks like a turtle. Oh, that's cool. So, this led them to a string of clues, which finally led them to the mine. Uh, for eight years they worked the mine and they brought the silver from its location uh, back to Chesapeake Bay uh, where Swift would invest it in his merchant fleet. Uh, And every time that they went, they would take a different route from the mine or to the mine and from the mine back to the bay just to throw people off the trail. Uh, One day in 1768 the group was attacked by Native Americans uh Swift hid the silver under an overhanging rock so the natives wouldn't find it and he marked it with stone crosshairs uh now most of the party actually did survive the attack but they couldn't talk about it because they didn't want to reveal why they were there in the first place (laughs) Okay, that seems legit. Yeah. Uh, so after that, has started thinking, and he uh did something not really great. He decided to kill all the members of the party, including Monday. Oh, Monday! And then he went back to England. What a dick! And for over a decade, only he and a few Native Americans knew about the location of the mine. What a dick so story number two <laughs> of how this mine got found uh, claims that Swift was exploring one day when he followed a wounded bear into a cave and discovered the mine isn't that how Mammoth, Mammoth cave? cave got found yeah <laughs> when I heard when I read that when I was like wait a minute I've heard this one before hold on um, so According to this, he mined the claim for eight or nine years, keeping some of it, and then burying some of it. And he decided to stop mining due to Indian attacks and conflict between him and his crew. Uh, one source called it a mutiny. So the crew mutinied. Hmm. Mutiny. And then here's, a, here's another version and it's kind of a ghost story. <gasps> I know. Yet another version goes back to the Mundy story and the claim that Swift killed Mundy after showing Swift the mine. And that every time after that, that Swift tried to return to the mine, he would look at a map and Mundy's ghostly hand would appear over Swift's compass. <laughs> And he would never be able to see (laughs) in what direction he was going. Oh, God! No! Can't find the mine. mine. It's mine! Oh, my. It's my mine, not yours. (laughs) I mean, all of those are just legends, though, because clearly, like people did not die like no one was killed yeah (laughs) obviously because there's like later on people who supposedly were part of the search party like bought land in the area of where they were searching so So they they were were, obviously not killed yeah (laughs) so in the early 1800s there was a historian called judge haywood who was doing research into the history of white settlements in Western Appalachia. He learned about a woman named Mrs. Renfro. That's all we know about her. Oh, and plus, she lived in a place called Bean Station, Tennessee. Mrs. Renfro? Yeah. From Bean Station. Bean Station. Uh, Jonathan Swift had met up with her. She was a widow. While on his travels, and had left his journal... His treasure journal in her care. He had gone blind towards the end of his life. Supposedly the story of why he had gone blind is also why he had given up. He had gone back to England and he had spoken out about the colonies (laughs) and against England, pro-colony and supposedly he'd been thrown in prison and he lost his sight there. I mean. Okay. Or he just got old. I mean. Yeah. Cataracts. Yeah. He'd gone blind and had never had the opportunity to rediscover the mine. And then there's the claim that he was imprisoned in England for speaking out about the Revolutionary War. Alright. So. Here's where the creepy part comes in. Yay. Creepy part. Um. So, in the meantime, although they hadn't found his journal yet, rumors had started spreading that this mine existed, and maybe where it was, because people were already starting to look for this mine, and one of them was a guy named John Filson, who was a surveyor, a pioneer, an author, a historian, and a co-founder of the city of Cincinnati, so, I mean... Casual. A, multi, a multitasker. Yeah. Uh, the Filson Historical Society in Louisville is named for him. Okay. Uh, he is the first person who is known to have referenced the mine after Swift. Uh, he mentioned that a tract of land was supposed to have a silver mine worked by a certain man named Swift. And he made a claim to it filson then vanished completely in that very year uh one source says he was van he vanished while looking for the mine and another says he was surveying lands near the great miami river when his party was attacked by a group of shawnees and he was killed but his body either way his body was never found huh so he and but supposedly he and a guy named Robert Breckenridge were looking for the mine, and I didn't find any information about Breckenridge. But, huh? So, isn't that a college now, Breckenridge? I don't know. Huh. That another, name sounds familiar. There's a place in Colorado too, named Breckenridge, Colorado. Huh. Uh, another person who looked for the mine. Was James Harrod, who was also a Kentucky pioneer, Uh he helped establish Fort Harrod, which was the site of Kentucky's first permanent white settlement, okay. Harrodsburg, later renamed Harrodsburg in his honor. Okay, I was kind of figured Harrodsburg yeah. was <laughs> after him. Yeah, he disappeared in 1792. There are several theories regarding his disappearance one of which uh was advanced by his wife uh proposed that a man named bridges went to herod and claimed to have found the mine and uh, needed help to develop it properly he then lured herod into the wilderness and killed him Uh, another theory included his dying naturally or by accident in the wilderness, being killed by Native Americans, or not actually dying at all. Perhaps he abandoned his family, a.k.a. a wilderness divorce, as it was called. wilderness divorce. wilderness divorce. I'm just gonna go hang out in the woods forever now, bye. Yeah, bye. Yeah, I'm gonna go out for, instead of going out for cigarettes and never coming back, you're going out for, like, I'm going out to shoot a deer. I'm... I'll be back in a little bit, and um, then you're never coming back. I'm going out to search for this treasure. I'm right going back. out to look for the silver mine. Yeah, I'll be back. Be back in a little bit, and then... Just never come home? Well, and supposedly one of the things I read was that he... <laughs> like, someone supposedly saw him later and, like, called him by name. And he was like, oh, yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's What's me. What's up? What's up? It's me. Um, so, there's legends about it, people have already started looking for it, however, many people have doubted whether Swift even existed. There's a guy that is not my favorite person, but he's a professional skeptic, Mm. yeah, named Joe Nickel, uh, for instance, thinks the whole thing was a land scam. From the 17 and 1800s. A land scam. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like another History Channel show. Land scams. Land scams! Why are we giving them free shows? We're constantly giving them free shows. Because we're actually looking into history. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he thinks the whole thing was a land scam from the 17 and 1800s. And the original journal has also vanished. Every journal that currently exists is either a copy or a copy of a copy, blah, blah, blah. There was indeed, however, a Jonathan Swift who bought lots of land in Kentucky from 1791 to 1794. Now, he supposedly bought, bought land in Breckinridge, Hardin, Nelson, and Grayson counties. Um, two things about this. Uh, why was he buying land when he was supposed to be old and blind by that time? It's true. So I'm thinking like that part of the, like that whole part of the story is not true. But this legend has grown up to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why was he buying land to the west of the area where most people believe the mine was located? Was he trying to find more mines? So here comes another theory. There's this story is full of theory. During this time he was also visiting friends who lived in Kentucky and Virginia. One was a man named Philip Marsteller, and Marsteller had been a good friend of George Washington, both before during and after the Revolutionary War. Ooh. So there is one peculiar Thing about Washington Marsteller and Swift. Marsteller is on an official list setting out Washington's pallbearers, and Swift was listed as a witness to this list. Oh, and also weirdly, because well, Marsteller was the only person listed as a pallbearer who wasn't a Freemason. Yeah. Um, so Swift and Marsteller both had property in Kentucky, as did a man called Walton, who owned a place called Walton's Lick, and Swift sold salt from this place. Uh, also, this place supposedly has markings by Swift leading to the treasure. Um... Swift's father-in-law was a friend of Washington and his brother-in-law worked for the treasury. Hmm. So, according to this theory, the whole Swift story was just that. It was a story to hide the fact that the colonial government was hiding mining operations not only to get silver for from them for themselves, but also to get silver to counterfeit British coinage. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So at this point, you're even though there's a lot of legends, you're starting to see actual people. Yeah. Come into this story. I mean, we got George Washington oh, yeah. <laughs> on this. There's also a theory that Swift was like I said that he was a sea captain. Mm-hmm. There's also the theory that he was a privateer. Okay. And what he was actually doing was hiding treasure. He said he was mining it, but he was actually hiding treasure in Kentucky so or he was in that area. Actually like a pirate. So there's actually like several places. Like there's several places where people have found markers, so there's maybe several places where this treasure is. Huh. So, yeah. Um, I would like to think of him as being a pirate. Yeah. But I will say both the Native Americans and the Spanish, and possibly the French, believed that there were silver mines in sort of eastern and southeastern Kentucky because both groups had legends about it. Okay. So there might be several places where this treasure might be. <laughs> There's a lot. uh. <laughs> There's what's known as the Clinch Legends, which claim that the treasure is located in the Clinch Watershed region of far southwestern Virginia, and that's kind of where Filson's filing for his property was. Uh, The Big Sandy area, where, like, up in, around Ashland Mm -hmm. and, and south of there... Uh, the Big Sandy area is actually mentioned in Swift's journals, and it's one of the few places where he, what he actually mentioned, a place like a okay. landmark. He also bought property in this area, uh, Pine Mountain area. One nearby resident named Solomon Mullins. Who lived from 1782 to 1858. He was known as money-making Saul or counterfeit Saul. (laughs) Counterfeit Saul? Yeah. I mean, that's not the nickname to have if you want to stay out of police custody. No, it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. to me like counterfeit Saul Saul. there goes counterfeit Saul I mean if I were a cop and I was walking down the street and somebody said oh there goes counterfeit Saul my head would go what counterfeit (laughs) counterfeit Saul what counterfeit Saul come back here (laughs) yeah can you introduce me to this counterfeit Saul it's like somebody was like walking down the street oh serial killer Dave hey serial killer Dave like if I was a cop I'd be like what (laughs) What? my head would just whip around there uh, So, he was known to mix pure silver with lesser metals to make his fake money. So, naturally, people wondered where he got his silver. Yeah. He, as he lived, he lived, he moved all over southeastern Kentucky. So, he could have stumbled across anything, anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people seem to believe that he had found it somewhere around Pine Mountain. Uh, also, there are markers in the ground, and clues in the journal seem to match areas around the mountain, and silver bars have been found in the area. Okay. Uh, Carter Cave State Park has several interesting features, including a cave called Saltpeter Cave. Which may be the site of a French silver mine that Swift talks about. Ooh. Yeah. And Saltpeter Cave is known in local lore as Counterfeiters Cave. <sighs> Lots of counterfeiters going on. Uh, yeah. Counter... Counterfeiters. Counterfeit... Oh, there's another history channel, show. Sure. Yeah. Counter... Counterfeiters. Just counterfeiters. Counterfeiters exclamation <laughs> <And counterfeiters>! mark. <laughs> and they're all like... based out of that cave. Yeah.
1: Well, Counterfeit Saul
0: is... Well, they're all based out of a different cave <laughs> in the area. So, the Red River Gorge area is this pretty much the center of the legend, though. Uh, Swift and his men built furnaces, which have been found deep in the gorge. Um, although they did destroy them after they left the last time, supposedly. There is a creek called Swift Camp Creek. There is a, an arch called Swift Silver Mine Arch. And there is a Furnace Creek where oh. they believe maybe his furnace was. Um, several of the landmarks Swift mentions in his journal are very similar to landmarks in the Gorge. Uh, one person who was convinced that the treasure was in that area was Rebecca Timmons. Who was a rich lady who supposedly looked in looked for the mine for years, spending her entire fortune on the quest until she went bankrupt. Because that's what you do. <laughs> uh, so And uh, now Rebecca Hans hustler Hollywood. <laughs> she also she also, ghost alert, she also may not be done looking either. Oh, uh, so, I was right. She is a ghost! She, a ghost. she supposedly People have known... Supposedly, people have been known to disappear if they get too close to her search area. And their are eerie lights and the sounds of, like, pickaxes hitting rock can oh. be heard and seen after dark. Nice! Her search for the treasure also at least led her discover, to discover Timmons Arch. So, she got something out of it. Eh, she got something. Yeah. Poor Rebecca. Yeah. So, there is a... 2019 episode of a show that i really actually started liking called code of the wild on the travel channel which Mm -hmm. yay thank god for the travel channel it's my favorite channel yes they have the best shows anyway it helps us so much yeah also let me just say this is a really good show code of the wild like they look for they look for other treasures they look for all sorts of stuff like i've I watched this episode specifically because it was about the so was the Swift Silver Mine. But, like, they've done other really good episodes, too. I really like that show. I've watched other... Well, it's really good. Anyway. So, the hosts are Chris and Casey Keeper And they explored the legend and followed a man named Kiowa Muncie through his property Muncie. to what was obviously a mine. And it was located... Uh, in the, um, in the gorge area. Nice. So, (laughs) to give people an idea of what this journal said, and how, like, like, how much of a needle in the haystack feeling this is. Yeah. Here's what he actually wrote in his journal about how to find stuff. So, (laughs) description of the place, and this is quoting... Description of the place and country adjacent to the creek that the furnace is on. Heads southwest, heads southwest and runs northeast, abounds with plenty of laurel, and is so very cliffy that it is almost impossible to get a horse near the place. There's a thicket of holly, a fourth of a mile below the small lick, and another that we call Lick Creek. The branch forks about three miles below the furnace, and the left-hand creek we call Furnace Creek. Which Furnace Creek? You know. Yeah, the branch forks about three miles up below. Yeah, below the fork and the holly thicket, you will find many names on a beech tree in the year sixty-seven. That's seventeen sixty-seven. Nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah, about a mile below, you will find Mr. Monday, Mr. Jefferson, and Mr. Gus's names. Which so he obviously didn't kill them. If he's like still talking about them, I don't know. Uh, between... Or he caught their name in the tree because yeah. he killed them. Yeah, maybe he did. You never know. Maybe he, like, bought all that property under other people's names, too. He might have. Uh, between the small lake and the furnace is a remarkable rock. It hangs quite over the creek, and the water runs under it. North of the furnace is a large hill seven or eight miles in length, and which abounds in good timber. Furnace Creek forks about three miles above the lake, and in the forks on a point you will find three white oaks from one stump and each is a smart chop from a tomahawk we sometimes went to a salt spring up the right hand fork and came this way back to find the kegs set compass on the west side of the furnace under the rock house thence due west 50 poles To a tree growing, (laughs) thus, crooked and leaning, set compass at second bend, run due south 20 poles. You will find a tree with a large limb on the south. Under this limb, we buried four 10-gallon kegs full of dollars and crowns. (laughs) To find the creek, the creek forks two or three miles from the river, and below the mouth of the creek, there's a remarkable gap in the rock at the forks of the creek. And at the fork of the creek are three points, two below, and one in the forks. A short distance below the forks, there are two noticeable rocks, which stand by itself, with a pine growing on the on the top. Large rocks in the bed of the creek. If you find these descriptions, you ought to find every other object. I'm like, what? I read that sentence, and I was like, What? i'm like sure that just sounds easy as hell okay swift (laughs) yeah um the rock house is three miles from the forks of the creek and the ore is three miles from the furnace to go from the furnace to the ore climb up over the rock house and go in a southeast direction without crossing any stream go to the top of the ridge and you will find the mine and i'm like yeah it's no wonder the thing hasn't been found (laughs) and like 250 years. He must have been terrible at giving directions. I don't even want to talk about it. Or he was so good that he was bad at it. You go up this way 0.3 miles. Yeah. Well, and two, one of the things I read was his, he he calculated everything as if the the Greenwich Meridian Mm -hmm. was actually in Paris. So, all the direction, like, all those compass points are, like, totally, like... Wrong? Wrong. And all of the, like, all the, like, he did at one point give, like, a, like, a compass, like, a coordinate point. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, that's going to be off, too, because he was using, he was using it as not greenwich not greenwich is zero but paris is zero so (laughs) that's totally off. i mean no wonder this thing hasn't been found yeah um so here are some other and we may have another show on it because ron says he has some books and stuff about it oh i forgot to tell you ron's starting to do research on uh like old like Uh, early Kentucky history, historical Bigfoot. Ooh, perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Our historical historical. consultant. (laughs) All right. So here's some other quote unquote lost treasures in Kentucky. Um, So two treasures are reportedly hidden near a place called Dykesburg, in Kentucky, A group of counterfeiters hid hid a cache of gold near Dicusburg before they were captured, and it has never been found. Also, a man named Moore lived there in the 1800s. Two hired hands supposedly killed him for his hoarded money, which he'd supposedly buried on his property. Uh, The men were sent to jail and never found the money. Huh. Uh, In 1865... This one I have problems believing just because of part. Well, anyway, Uh, the Cole brothers sold their tobacco crop for a reputed $5,000 in gold. I have a problem believing that any tobacco crop was worth $5,000 in gold in 1865 or whatever. Um, They then hid the gold in the fireplace of their cabin, which was 20 miles from Paducah a few weeks later a robber broke in killed them both and then uh absconded with the treasure but he hid it near the cabin because he had to flee pursuing lawmen uh when he was on his deathbed this uh killer slash thief uh admitted that he'd never found the treasure <laughs> because when he made it when he finally made it back to the site of the cabin, it had been torn down, and he could no longer recognize the area where he had buried oh, the God. treasure. Oh, God. So, yeah. So, supposedly $15,000 in silver is buried two-thirds of a mile behind the site of an old grist mill operated by Nicholas Darty in the early 1800s, five miles from Barberville. Ooh. Uh, on Big Branch Creek, about three miles south of the southeast of a place called Quicksand, Kentucky, a man named Jack Clemens buried a bucket of silver coins on his property. The house where he lived is still standing about a mile above the, the mouth of a creek. So, all right. Uh, apparently. Fort Campbell soldiers used to bury jars of pennies on the base. Don't know why. And they have reportedly never been found. Um, just southeast of Mayfield, which is out in the far corner, like close to the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place that stood that was once stood called Camp Beauregard, which was at one time a training base for Confederate soldiers. Okay. So from September 1861 to March of 1862 up to 6,000 soldiers were trained there. However, it was a hotbed of diseases (laughs) including meningitis, typhoid, and pneumonia. Mm. So the site was ordered burned down. But several soldiers would bury their pay there um, because they felt like that was the safest way to keep it Mm-hmm. From getting taken by other soldiers. But then, when they would die with these diseases, that pay got lost. And scholars actually think that this may be one of the lost treasure legends that has the most truth behind it. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, A wealthy man named James Longstaff left a note for his wife saying he'd buried $20,000 in gold coins on his land in Paducah, and it is rumored to be near either Broadway or South Third Streets. And last one... Well, actually not the last one. There's rumored to be a cache of money buried in a peach orchard on the old Pitts Farm near Lothair, Kentucky. And there's also a legend about lost treasure uh associated with remember when ron was telling us about the guys that were like the serial killers yes yeah in cave and rock mm-hmm yeah there's lost treasure uh nice yeah there's lost treasure associated with that too so i figured we'd wait to do the cave and rock episode for that yeah that'll be fun okay okay so there's our swift silver mine that was good which i mean some people like clearly there's a lot of legends about it there is clearly there's a lot of stuff that like this thing may actually exist and people have looked for like people have looked for it obviously for like over 200 years they're still looking for it yeah like there were like i saw like there was the tv show i saw news reports of people oh wow seeing things that they thought were the actual minds. so i mean like the thing is it's, still out there it's very possible, it's possible. that, it, that yeah. it still exists it's still out there yeah let's go look for it let's go let's go look for it and then we can quit yes we'll get rich we'll get rich fun start funding our podcast yes. empire we'll rename we start We'll rename it the. Chlora okay. <laughs> the Chlora Cave. Chlora Cave. Yeah. The Chlora Cave. There we go. Yeah. Okay. If you have any ideas for our future episodes, you can, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at creepykentucky@gmail.com. At you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, under Creepy Kentucky. And until next time. Kentucky. What What the the hell? hell?